Athletic. Right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Right and ruthless, Liverpool toothless. Well, Liverpool was schooled on the South Coast as Brighton became the latest team to beat the dreadful Reds. But what led Liverpool to crisis point? Is the Champions League qualification out of reach and what quick fix can Jurgen Klopp turn to? We'll get into all that and more here alongside James Pearce and Andy Jones. But first, three-word review, lads. Come on, three words, no swearing. <laughs> uh, grim, lifeless, pathetic. And mine will be, make it stop. <laughs> well, yeah, I agree with all that. And I'm not going to do three because I was just going to, like, break my own rule and swear about it. But no, we'll move <laughs> on. So, James, you were there. Was it as bad as it looked on telly? Oh, it, it was... Truly horrendous, yeah. What a day. I think I left home at half seven Saturday morning, got back through the door at midnight. It was that bad that I had to have a KFC on the way home. Forget forget <laughs> all this, um, or everything I, I promised myself I'd give up for January went out the window on the back of that performance because it uh, just, yeah, it just beggared belief. And I know, you know, I must admit, I went down there with a bit of trepidation because on form, it wasn't a shock that Liverpool were beaten by Brighton when you look at the performances that the two teams have put in recently. But I still didn't think that Liverpool would plumb those kind of depths because the scoreline flattered Liverpool. That was the thing. It was the most worrying thing for me was when, when Liverpool got to half-time still level, you, you thought, wow, what a let-off that is. Like, you know, in, in that dressing room at half-time, you know, Klopp will you'll get a reaction. The players themselves will think, right, we've got to make Brighton pay now because how are we not? two or three behind because we've been such a distant second best. Yeah, they actually got worse. You know, they, within, what, two, three minutes of the second half, you, you shoot yourselves in the foot. Played forward to Matoma. A chance and a goal! The flag stays down. Solly March celebrates. Well, it looked like a bad mistake from Matip. Ferguson's pressure forced the error. And with just a minute gone in the second half... Brighton have the lead. And then, yeah, the lack of a response to that, it was just incredibly worrying. And, you know, right right throughout the team, that collective malaise that appears to be deepening, it was just a, a performance with absolutely no redeeming features. Yeah, and I mean, the problem is, we've talked a lot about the midfield and all that sort of stuff, but the issue here wasn't the midfield, it was the full-backs, it was the central defence, it was the midfield, it was the forwards, it was everything, and just the stats are horrible, aren't they? They've lost back-to-back Premier League games for the second time this season, the six defeats overall, that's three times as many as last season, and they've also lost five away league games for the first time since 17-18, and we're only halfway through the season, what's in store for us, Andy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I haven't got a clue, genuinely We keep saying that it can't get any worse than this And then it seems to do that it, get, it does get worse So as, as much as I'd like to say This is sort of This might be the worst it'll get It wouldn't surprise me if it continues to get worse um, Before it gets better I was at the Burnley Coventry game So I was following sort of the game on, on Twitter As it was sort of the updates were going through And I was sort of 
just waiting for a Liverpool update because it was just Brighton chance, Brighton chance, Brighton chance, Brighton chance, Liverpool mistake, Brighton chance. And it was like, when are Liverpool going to have sort of a shot? And I, I don't know when it came eventually, but, it, you know, it was it was just one of them. You just couldn't quite believe how bad it was. But, yeah, I mean, as you say, we, we've, we've spoken about the midfield problem, you know, so many times this season. It's so obvious, but this is more than a midfield problem now. And it, it probably has been all the way through, let's be honest. But this is this is structural. This is the mentality, everything is just going wrong at the moment. And, and the players don't seem to know what to do about it. And, and that was the biggest thing. It, not only did I think Brighton were going into this into this game favourites, which is you know a bizarre thing to say given where these two clubs were six seven months ago, it just doesn't make any sense at this point. You know what what can you do? It's it, there's so many things wrong, and that that's the problem. It's how do you fix things? You know quickly and. And I don't know. I, I don't think does anyone have an answer for that at this point. Well, you know, the mentality monsters are long forgotten, and the now traditional concede and first routine. You know, only Southampton and West Ham conceded fifteen and thirteen respectively have conceded the first goal in more different Premier League games than Liverpool this season, and Liverpool have done eleven. James, are we going to race off the top four right now? Uh, no, no, not not completely. I mean, at the minute. It feels like a a distant ambition, but no, I, I think you know there's still so many points still to play for. I don't, you know, when what were we eighteen games in? Not even, not even the halfway stage. Is that because- the KFC speaking or you? <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame the bargain bucket for that one. The um, you know, let's not forget two years ago we sat and watched Liverpool lose six in a row at home behind closed doors, I know, which, you know, that was different. You know, football was incredibly soulless. And I think the mitigating circumstances were greater then because there were no fit centre-backs. But, you know, from an absolutely desperate position then, Klopp managed to trigger a response, didn't he? What was it, 26 points out the last 30 to, to get top four when, you know, certainly around probably February, March time, everyone was saying, forget it, we're heading for the Europa League. I think it is still too soon to say forget the top four. But of course, at the minute, you know, was it 10 points now, the gap? It's going to have to take something pretty special and a really impressive unbeaten run. And at the moment, it's difficult to see where that comes from. And I think the difference to two years ago was, in the end, Klopp found the solution in terms of, well, you've got to put your faith in, you know, Nat Phillips and, and Reese Williams, as it was at the time. And you've got to get Fabino back in that holding midfield role where at the time he was so influential. And then and then you had enough to, to grind out wins at the minute. There's problems absolutely all over that pitch. And that that's why, for me, this is the toughest period Klopp's had during his you know, seven and a half years at the club. Whatever he's saying to the players at the minute, whatever he's working on on the training ground, it's not working. You know, whether that's it's tactical, it's man management, both really. He talked on after the weekend. I, you know, I asked him. I said, "Jurgen, you mentioned it's the same problems again. Is that are the players just not listening? Are you not going to get your message through to them, or are they not able to do what you're asking from them? Because it is the same issues again." <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um... I think it's okay to ask a question, but I don't have to answer. I don't think that I, I the, the the week looked like everybody got what I said, to be honest. So, bringing it on the pitch is then probably a bit the if you face a team full of confidence and joy and stuff like this, and then you we need to we need to have key moments as well, where we put the ball over the line, which we have, we had obviously chances. I think for two one, if I'm right, probably. Um, 
we had these moments, but they don't go. There's no, no, there was no moment in the game where, where we could get a little lift and go from there. And that obviously, and the outcome is horrible to watch. To be honest, that um, on one side, I think everybody from with a Brighton shirt on or a Brighton heart um, enjoy the game a lot, and I don't think anybody with a Liverpool heart um, enjoyed it for a second. So. Um, I think the players listen. I'm pretty sure about that, but I know where they're coming from. And I see as well that it didn't look like it, but that's it. When you look at it, there is so much wrong. Um, yes, again, the midfield got completely overrun. You saw you know, Mo Salah being hounded out by four or five Brighton players. And it was like, well, that, that's, that's what Liverpool used to be. They used to swarm all over teams and force mistakes. That is incredibly tough to take. And, and yes... You know, we've talked a lot about the fact that reinforcements are desperately needed in midfield. But yeah, the idea that you buy one elite midfielder and that that puts everything right is just just not true because there's so much wrong. The fact is, it's become really clear that the opposition have worked out how Liverpool play. And yet they still keep doing the same things over and over again. For example, everyone has realised you've got to squeeze the fullbacks. Liverpool's best play comes from them and and to be fair uh, two of Trent's crosses presented the most dangerous situations but you know you can't do what you're doing there were times when he was ambling back from the opposition area while Brighton were pouring forward you know for for the goal Andy Robertson's on the halfway line there's a point where when everyone's worked out what you're doing you've got to do it brilliantly to succeed and they're not doing it brilliantly and if it's failing, you need to do something else. And did you see any signs of them doing something else? Not really, no. And, that, and I think that's the biggest concern. It's the World Cup break was supposed to be this sort of big, you know, reset, and he was supposed to come back and sort of. We were hopefully going to see a, a very different Liverpool to the one which looked struggled so much in that first sort of period of the season. And you know, there were good signs against Aston Villa. There was more. And, uh, you know, you get through that first 15 and you have that control of the first half and things looked a little bit better, but then it's gone backwards since then to a point where Liverpool, are they worse now? Was that the worst performance of the season? I think probably it was. And therefore, how have you gone? Given that World Cup break, there was so much emphasis on that. And, and I know injuries haven't helped and it has to be said, you know, he's, he's working with, you know, without four forwards there, but equally, and he's, he's not got Van Dijk, but you would say that the midfield he put out against Brighton is probably as... It's certainly his most reliable midfield is the midfield which was the driving force or certainly one of the big driving forces behind last season and success that Liverpool had and nearly had. And, you know, that, that back four is, you know, all of them have, have got a, a claim to be in that, especially the, the two centre-halves, you would say, Matip and Canate, the two who battling out to be next to Van Dijk. So your team is pretty much set in, in a way. But whether it's the personnel or it is just structurally, it's just teams... Teams are from foot against Liverpool now. They feel confident. They feel like they can get after Liverpool. And the problem is Liverpool are playing like a back foot team. They are second to... It feels like they're second to everything. It feels like they're slow to react. They're not sensing danger. They're not They're not doing the things that Liverpool should do and, and we've known them to do. And that's the thing. It, it, it's difficult to find the positives because, you know, there's, 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 I guess there's, there's so many negatives to, to come from that Brighton performance that what do you change now? Do, do you drop... Do you have to drop your entire team to, you know, to, to keep it compact? Or you know, there's so many different things that you could potentially do, but it's how quickly that will start working, and, and that's the problem, especially when you're already so so far behind in a top four race. Suddenly, you know, you need to start winning from the next game, 
and, and go on this run. You can't keep giving up ground because you're just going to leave yourself way too much to do. 10 points of fourth place Manchester United, down in ninth. How debilitating could this be for the club on the pitch as well as off the pitch, you know, because they're seeking, obviously, investment, James? Well, yeah, I think it's a, a very turbulent, uncertain time full stop, isn't it? I think the stuff off the pitch doesn't help. You know, since the Athletic broke the news in November that, that Liverpool was effectively for sale, nothing has really moved on on that front. I know there's been all kinds of of rumours, but until this point, to my knowledge, they're still considering offers and the, a, selling a minority stake is at the minute viewed as probably more likely than a than a full takeover. But, the, you know, these things take time, don't they? And it's, you know, I, I think it was always going to drag on well into 2023. Well, certainly wasn't realistic. There was going to suddenly be some, you know, big development that would lead to Liverpool splashing the cash in the January window. And then when you throw into the mix, you know, you've got a sporting director in Julian Ward who's serving his notice, you know, the director of research and Ian Graham, the same, both both leaving at the end of the season. You know, Mike Gordon taking a step back from the day-to-day running of the club as, as FSG president in order to oversee that search for investment. It's There's a lot of changes going on. And then when you throw into the mix, the downturn on the pitch, it's not good, is it? And when you, you know, when you factor in for, you know, this, the club's self-sustaining business model, you know, of course, relies, you know, for, for Klopp to be able to invest it. It relies so heavily on maximising revenues. And if you miss out on the Champions League, that, that leaves a huge hole. And I think the Champions League was worth, what, £100 million to Liverpool last season. And, you know, there's a there's a real, real danger now. They could well have to do without that. And then, of course, the knock-on effect in terms of money available to spend in the summer. Also, who you can attract. You know, would you, Bellingham, really want a club come to a club outside the Champions League? Would Liverpool even be able to afford that kind of deal? I've got my doubts if if they weren't a Champions League club. So um, this is a really pivotal period and a huge test for Klopp, I think, because I think for someone who's usually, you know, is, is very good at trying to find the positives and pick chins off the floor and find the right words at the right times to lift people, at the minute, that doesn't seem to be happening. He's dug Liverpool out of some sizable holes before. You can see it meant a lot to him at Brighton on Saturday, the, the response he got from the away end after the game because, you know, there wasn't one single word of dissent in his direction and rightly so because, you know, it would be ludicrous for anyone to be seriously questioning whether Klopp is the right man at the minute because of everything he's achieved at the club and he's got so so much credit in the bank. But at the minute, he's struggling to come up with the answers and the problems just keep on stacking up. Well, I mean, what must Cody Gakpo be thinking? I mean, I would have thought he's he's spiralling headlong into a fried chicken addiction already at this stage <laughs> after what he's seen. Anyway, that, just as a start, the Reds have been unbeaten in 32 Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoffs before the defeat to Brighton since losing to 2-0 to Hull City in February 2017. I don't know what that stat tells you. But it's a good start. Anyway, we'll get into how they got to the crisis and how they're getting out of it. You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. I'm not sure if I'm still, it's still because the game is so, it's only a few minutes ago. But I can't remember worst game. I honestly can't. And I mean, all, not only Liverpool, I can't remember. And that's my responsibility. Tony Evans here with James Pearce and Andy Jones with Walk On from The Athletic. 
Well, you've just heard Jürgen Klopp describing the defeat to Brighton as one of the worst of his career. But why are these so bad now? <laughs> I mean, last year was a, you know, 63 games. That's a lot of games for a squad like this. And they've been battling with Manchester City, who are arguably the best squad in Premier League history by comparison with the rest of the division. So was this drop-off inevitable, Andy? I don't think it was inevitable, but there are some sort of explanations to it. And I think part of it is that that 63-game season that they've just had and, and how you know draining that would, you know, that will have been both physically and mentally to also not to be so close to being immortal effectively and then you know losing the two biggest prizes by two goals really when you think about it i think it does have a massive psychological effect and 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 i do think when when you look back and the amount of times they've come close to things obviously the champions league the, the other champions league final against real madrid the number of times they've you know just been short of the premier league title I do think that can have a you know a, an effect and a negative effect on things just because it's it's so difficult to to keep doing it and, and keep doing the same things knowing that potentially you know you're going to end up with uh, you know the same results and that's going to be you know the, the runners up which which nobody nobody wants to be there's so many different things isn't there you know the the age profile the squad which has been increasing and not been you know addressed but. And even when they've addressed it, they've addressed it with really young players instead of sort of that that twenty two to twenty six you know type of player in the midfield, particularly because if you look at Liverpool's sort of forward line now, that looks like it should be the forward line for the next three four years, and they shouldn't really need to be you know to sort of add too much to that, so that the focus needs to be on the midfield. But I think there are elements of of it being just one of those situations where so many times where you come so close, and then even when you win it. You don't get to celebrate it properly with the fans. It's all those things that I think do add up over time and, and make and you sort of feel like you it's just not meant to be and you're up against it all the time. But equally, well, you know, it should be this level of drop off if that makes sense. You, you know, you can accept Liverpool having a bit of a, a down season, but not to this extent. It shouldn't be a drop off from, from where they were, as we as we keep saying, six seven months ago. That the drop off to this is just sort of. That's not inevitable, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, we all say we saw it coming. I mean, because we've all been talking really since 2019, the Champions League final, saying buy from a position of strength, rebuild from a position of strength. And time after time, Klopp confounds us, this team confounds us. So, you know, it's easy to say with hindsight, and the whole fan base is saying, we saw it coming. Well, we kind of didn't, we didn't. But the big question is, why didn't Jürgen and why didn't John W. Henry in Boston see it coming James um yeah I, I, it, it's a tricky one isn't it I think de- definitely when you know I've had a lot of a lot of abuse on social media in the last couple of weeks from from people digging out stories from back in the summer and you know they've set the dogs on you they've set the dogs on you <laughs> they've released the hounds they found out where I live yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, I've been getting a lot of abuse on social media, which isn't a new thing, but it's probably been cranked up a level with results being so bad and people digging out links to stories from pre-season that, you know, about pieces that were very positive and buoyant. And, and to be honest, I stick by that. I don't, this idea that everyone at the start of pre-season was demoralised and, you know, and everyone was 
expecting a tale of woe is just absolute nonsense, isn't it? I mean, you know, the start of July, you know, I did write, well, you know, Liverpool have had a decent start to the, the summer in terms of, you know, they, they resolved Mo Salah's long-running contract saga. You know, they made sure that Sadio Mane's exit was dealt with swiftly and decisively and replaced him in the same, you know, quickly with an exciting signing for me in Darwin Nunes. You know, they'd addressed the fact that they didn't have right-back cover for Trent by bringing in Calvin Ramsey, Fabio Carvalho, and a really exciting young attacking player. And, you know, and I wrote numerous times, the only thing lacking really is another midfielder. And, uh, you know, it would be a gamble if Liverpool didn't address that. This idea that this was always going to happen is absolute nonsense. So I've, I've seen some stuff this morning, people saying, you know, Liverpool have been tactically flawed for like a few years now. And you're like, hang on a minute. The idea that this, oh, you know, this was always going to happen is a nonsense. Yes, they should have done more in the summer. You know, I think, and I think by the kind of mid to late point of pre-season, I think that was when there were genuine worries. Because by that point, the injuries had kicked in. And actually, yeah, do you know what? It's asking a lot for you know, Fabino, Thiago and Henderson to keep on going to the well game after game after game. And and the young players coming through are probably still a bit too raw. So that was a mistake, you know, and I do, I still don't understand how, you know, Liverpool tried to sign Tushimani from from Monaco, missed out on him, went to Real Madrid, that happens. So that was an acknowledgement from Klopp and Ward and everyone else at the top. They needed a midfielder, an elite midfielder. Yet, why was there not a plan B? I don't understand that. And then... They end up panic loan signing Arthur on the deadline day, which, you know, what a ridiculous waste of money that's that's proven to be. So, yeah, there's some things that could have been avoided. But then, and I, well, I don't want to pick on him because th- there isn't a single player in that dressing room at the minute that is living up to, you know, what is the, their normal levels. But, you know, no one could have predicted the downturn in Fabino. Like, you know, he's 20, 29. You know, this, he should be at his absolute peak. And he's, he's in a bit of a crisis of confidence. He doesn't seem to be able to get out the rut he's in. But he's not the only one. You know, Henderson's form has been poor. You know, Thiago has been erratic as well. Like, no no one could have foreseen just the huge downturn in, in what they've, they've produced. But yeah, Liverpool should have been better equipped. And I think you know, people keep saying it's an ageing team. I don't think it's an ageing team. It might be an ageing midfield. But, you know, what Liverpool are struggling with is that transition from one great team to trying to build another one. I thought Jordan Henderson spoke very honestly after the game where he was asked about the mood in the dressing room and he said, low on confidence, low on energy. You know, that is obviously two alarming things to hear at the midway point of a season. That brings up Klopp's position because obviously the, the the whole thing about the seven-year itch, you know, the fact that after seven years he's... You know, at Mainz and at Dortmund, you know, he sort of ran out of steam. Well, it didn't quite run out of steam at Mainz because obviously he moved up. But at, at, at Dortmund, certainly. And there were suggestions that his way of doing things was beginning to fall on deaf ears in the dressing room. And I think there's a bit of... I think things get attached to managers. Like, for example, the you know, there was talk before the last couple of years that Klopp didn't win finals when, you know clearly does. I mean, is there anything in this idea of the fact that it's a seventh full season? Is he, you know, is his shtick stopping working in that dressing room, Andy? I hope not. Um, it's one of them, isn't it? It's it, it just, it's it feels coincidental rather than sort of it being a thing. And I guess it, there is that element that Liverpool are going through 
a significant transition. They are they have. I mean, last season was the pinnacle, wasn't it? It was like that's this is a squad that's got this far. Now we need to start again, and it does feel like it's they've got back to the point of, of starting again, as if Klopp has you know not just walked through the door because obviously the, the level of talent that he's got available to him is far superior to the the what he inherited when he first came in the door. But I, th- I think that you know that there may be an element of. Of, of things of messages not quite getting through in the same way and and that could just be because of of how bad it's getting and, and confidence is low and and the things that they've been doing for so long and if they're not working anymore or they're not able to do them at the the level they were able to do then suddenly you know it might have of effects like that but to sort of suggest that it's it's because it's it, you know, it's, he's been here seven years, and that's exactly why Liverpool have done. This has happened to Liverpool. I think is <laughs> it's a little bit laugh, laughable, to be honest. But at, at, the, at the same time, the problem that I've got a little bit is you talk about this transition, but and and it's important. You, I think you do have to change. You have to transition because, as you as you alluded to earlier, you know teams can work you out, and if you keep doing the same things, teams will eventually find a way of of stopping it and stopping it sufficiently so that everyone sees the plan and knows how to how to stop it. And it feels like it's a little bit of Liverpool have been worked out with plus, you know, the, the downturn in form. But what you would say is if you are transitioning, make sure it's clear what you're transitioning to. And I think that's the problem for Liverpool at the moment. I don't quite know what their identity is at the moment. They've gone from being this high press, you know, in the faces, so intense team. They they don't look like that anymore. And if that's the if that's the plan to get back to that Fine, but <laughs> look like you're doing it. Yeah, it's it's really difficult, but I don't think it's it's because Klopp's been here seven years. I, there's there's much more to it than, than just the fact that you know it's it's the same voice again and again and again. You know the stats again are damning. They've conceded 14 shots from counter-attacking situations, which is the most in the Premier League. I mean, they only conceded 15 in the whole of last season, and 10 in 2021. 18 in the title winning season. I mean, I, it, it's ugly. But, James, I'm going to put you on the spot. Where are the fixes available to him? And how did they get into the top four? And if they don't get in, I'm blaming you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's tricky at the minute, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I don't think it's an excuse for, for the paucity of what was served up on the weekend. But injuries are a factor and they do limit his ability to shake things up, especially at the top end of the pitch. Of course, we all hope that hopefully Darwin Nunes, who, who missed the weekend, will be back shortly. And, you know, that they certainly missed his pace and power and dynamism and ability to burst in behind because no one was capable of doing that at Brighton. Obviously, we're going to have to wait longer for, for Jota and, and Diaz. But I think he just has he has to, to try something different. I th- I'd like to see him revert back to... Maybe back to four, the four four two that he played earlier on in the season, which which actually you know when you think back to I think it was before the Rangers game, wasn't it? He he, he changed to that, and you know, it, and it just I think it just seemed to make Liverpool a bit more secure out of possession. I mean, you mentioned there, Tony, those you know those counter attacking stats, and you know, there's so many of those stats knocking around that just and they just underline how easy it is to cut through this Liverpool team. Again, I did a piece last week on after Klopp talked about. You know, we lost so many challenges. And it was scary watching that the FA Cup tie against Wolves back and just seeing how many basic situations turned into clear chances without the opposition having to do anything. It didn't take some 
amazing intricate passing move or a, a bit of individual brilliance or skill or vision it was just basics it was just you know two simple passes back through a massive hole you know a player doesn't cover the space he's supposed to you know I know Klopp talked on the weekend about you know he had tweaked the formation and but to me it was just Thiago playing five yards further forward and you know maybe look like a 4-2-3-1 at times as opposed to 4-3-3 but it wasn't it wasn't really that much different. I, I, I think possibly a four four two, where also I think the benefit of that is you get Salah more central because again, you know, you know he was the first player off the pitch at Brighton. You know, couldn't get off there quick enough. I didn't. But, Quickest he moved uh, all day, wasn't it? <laughs> well, do you know what? I think it's I, there were a number of times. I think I mentioned it earlier when he just he had three or four Brighton players all over him, and the, you know the lack. I think you know yes, of course, you look to your world class players to to provide a little spark on a day like that. But yeah, I don't even think Mo Salah at the peak of his powers could have done anything to prevent that outcome on the weekend. So, so yeah, I'd like to see a formation change. I, I just think also you can't keep persevering with the same combination in midfield and expect different results. I think that, that three, Fabino, Thiago and Henderson, rewind to the start of the season, they, you know, they were still Liverpool's best combination and they did, you know, they started the Champions League final together for a reason. But, you know, that they're all having their own struggles. It just doesn't make sense to me to keep on playing them together and expecting something to change because it, it, it's not changing. And I, and I also think you could point the finger at Klopp on the weekend for why he left it so long to make changes. I do not know. I mean, it was, I think it was 68, 69 minutes before, you know, the quadruple substitution was made when, you know, there was some, there were a few players on that pitch who were very fortunate to come back out for the second half. So, um, you know, and and maybe maybe that comes back to he doesn't trust fully some of those that he's got as backups. But then, but then that goes back to the summer. That if you don't trust them, then why were you not more ruthless in the summer? Why did you not move on some of those squad players? Because I remember there was a quote from Klopp in pre-season when he said, um, "You know, we're not the kind of club who would you know just say show someone the door if you know if they want to stay and they've still got a couple of years left on their contract or a year left on their contract." And you're like. And I must admit, at the time, I thought well, that's a strange thing to say because, to me, that's a strength, not a weakness. Being being ruthless and 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 maybe I think there's an argument that he is loyal to a fault at times, but he has to try something different. You know what, what's happened to Fabio Carvalho? You know Fabio Carvalho scored at Man City, got taken off at half time, and hasn't hasn't played since. And you think, you know that that to me doesn't make any sense. He's fresh. Get him back out there. Give him give him the chance to show you know that he can add a bit of a spark. You're listening to Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. In towards Gerrard! Hello! Hello! Here we go! This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Me, Tony Evans, James Pearce and Andy Jones. All right, so, Wolves came to Anfield in the Cup. We rope-a-doped them. (laughs) Right, so we're going to go to Molyneux and knock out blow. (laughs) Right, Andy. Right, right, right. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, it's a definite win for Liverpool, isn't it? That we're going to watch. Um, but it's <laughs> who knows. Um, it's it's a difficult one because Wolves are on a bit of a high as well. They're, they're sort of riding the, the crest of a wave on, on confidence, and and yeah, I expect Liverpool will probably be fairly changed, which which could be a benefit. You know, some players you aren't as sort of mentally drained as some of the you know those first team starters are at the moment but yeah it's going to be tough isn't it it's going to be tough and it's difficult isn't it because you 
you just you're not going into any game with confidence, sort of as a supporter at the moment. And I mean, why would you? Because I don't think the players are either. James, I think this is interesting. Wolves, and if they go through, it's Brighton again. Yes, yes. <laughs> just where I want revenge. It'll be sweet. It'll be lovely. But here's the point. Here's the point. He's seen Wolves. He's seen what they do recently. So can he adjust? Can he adapt and beat them? And if they do, then can he put together a side that can go to Brighton and beat them, basically? And this is a huge test for Klopp. Yeah, it is. It is. And you know, not easy with the, the quick turnaround. And I, and I think regardless of the outcome of Brighton, he would have made a number of changes anyway. I think I think the big thing for me is can he come up with you know the tactical shape, really, to, and the organisation that has been so sadly lacking to make Liverpool better out of possession. Wolves will have had an absolute field day, you know, going back over that footage from the first game and going, you know, look at this, look at this, look how easy that was, look at that, look at that hole, especially on the counter-attack as well. The number of times that, you know, there was no pressure on the ball and players were able to pick passes in behind. And I've kind of changed my tune a bit about Tuesday night because I must admit, after the first game, I was thinking, oh God, you know, the last thing Liverpool need is, a, is another game, you know, midweek trip to Wolves in between Brighton and Chelsea you know, just could do without it when, you know, more time on the training ground is probably what's required. But then, I don't know, the more, and even like coming back from Brighton on Saturday night, I just thought, no, actually, you know, the FA Cup does matter because it's, it's, I think realistically, it's the only chance Liverpool have got of winning the trophy this season. And of course, even to talk, talk of winning something at the minute seems crazy. It's certainly, I think, a pipe dream to think that Liverpool are going to win the Champions League. So there needs to be a response. And, and I think, yeah, yeah, you look to Klopp, you look to his leadership, you look to Pep Linders as well, you look to the staff around him to come up with the right plan and to come up with the right words. But you also, there has to be some soul-searching amongst those players as well. Because for all the talk of, you know, 63-game season, the injuries, the pre-season, you know, not being what they, what they really needed and the lack of investment and the uncertainty from the ownership... Like, which player in that dressing room at the moment can really look in the mirror and go, yeah, I'm living up to what I can produce at the moment. You know, I'm pretty proud of what, what I'm producing out there. I don't, I don't think there's, there can be a single one. So you'd like to think that professional pride comes into it as well in terms of, um, of trying to put things right. Because, um, yeah, I, I felt really sorry for those 3,000 Liverpool fans that were down on the South Coast on, on Saturday because it was a grim old journey just to get down there and then to sit through that. What is it? Eight points out of 27, I think it is now, away from home this season. There's been some thoroughly miserable away days and um, the travelling cop are, are long overdue uh, yeah, an away day they can properly enjoy. I, I just want to say about the Champions League, at the moment it's mid-January and my level of delusion has really sunk low. But give it a month, you know, give it a month when Real Madrid come up. You know, I'll have recharged my delusion and I'll start believing. And, and actually, there's a lot of delusion in the fan base, to be fair, and we all suffer from it. And he, right, taking those steps forward towards that Champions League game against Real Madrid, Obviously, it starts at Molyneux, which is not ideal. Who do you bring in to try and make a difference? <laughs> yeah, and that's the, probably the most difficult question that we've asked today. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting because it, I don't. It's one of them, isn't it? Will personnel change it, or is it? You know, is it a structural thing that that I think that's the main thing, isn't it? You want to see Liverpool set up 
regardless of who plays in a more you know solid way. I mean, I I'd have no problem with it being nil nil and it going to penalties. If Liverpool lose on penalties, okay, that's a, you know it's annoying. But just to see Liverpool keep a clean sheet would be quite nice. You know what I mean? Just like you just want to see elements of a performance where you can go right, you can build on that. You've got a foundation there. That's how you can get through a game without conceding. Now let's build on it now because they've got the attacking quality that they don't, you know, Salah, Nunes, if he's back or if he's not, who knows. But you've got those elements where you can always score goals in football matches or you should be able to anyway. So I would expect Navi Keita to start. I think that midfield three, I don't think you can go with it again. It's gone so wrong in the last two with, with those together. So I would assume Navi Keita will come in. I think he's been pretty pretty decent off the bench as well. He's given Liverpool a little bit. You'll probably see Simicash come in. I, I, I would, it's one of them. I'd probably play Curtis Jones or, you know, an Elliot sort of Carvalho in, in that other midfield spot as well. As, as we've said, this is probably Liverpool's best chance of, of silverware, even if they do have to go to Brighton again. Ben Doak's probably someone I'd like to see in there just because I think he's been really, really lively, you know, off the bench. But it's, again, it, it, it sort of depends on how Klopp used this and how, how important he sees it to try and, like he did with in the first round, because in, in, in the first tie, even because. You know, that's usually when Klopp does a bit of rotation, but he didn't. He went full strength to try and win the game, I think, to try and get a bit of rhythm, try and find something, which which he didn't really find. So does he try and do that again or does he does he just look to, to rotate because because he needs to? It's it's a really tricky one to, to sort of know exactly which way he, he's gonna go. James, final word to you. How do you see the rest of this week panning out? <laughs> uh I, I... I just hope for a lift, to be honest, because um, at the moment you, you just, as Andy said, you know, if, if someone offered me nil-nil and a penalty shootout at, at Molyneux, I'd absolutely bite your hand off. I was just looking then, I was, I was trying to think, when was the last time Liverpool kept a clean sheet away? And you've got to go back to that goalless draw at Goodison at the, the start of the season. You, you, you just want to see some kind, you know, no one's expecting, are, we, are they, Liverpool, to go to Molyneux and put on a show and... And, and and suddenly rediscover the fluency of old. Like I don't, I think there has to be a dose of realism. You just want, you just want to see some solidity and cohesion and just a bit of fight that that, that gives you something to cling on to and something to build on going into going into the weekend. You know that home game against Chelsea on Saturday lunchtime is is already already huge. And yeah, so I think I think we're at that stage at the minute where despite things being so feeling so bleak. Something can still be salvaged from this season, but if they don't get out of this rut in the next few weeks, then it will be too late. I'm hoping from the depths of despair, coming back from the South Coast on Saturday night, yeah, let's hope I'm not forced to turn to fried chicken again on the way back from Molyneux. <laughs> well, that's all for now from Work On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James and Andy and you, the listeners, for joining us. And you know what? Stay away from deep-fried meat. That's my advice. And that's probably why Liverpool are in a funk at the moment. They've been eating too much of it. They've been trying to get the fitness levels of James Pearce. Um, <laughs> remember, right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just one ninety nine a month for the first 12 months. One ninety nine a month? To take advantage of that offer, all you need to do is head over to theathletic.com slash Pod. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. The Athletic.